The word pastor is a very seriously misunderstood word. Uh, it means shepherd. So in one sense, I'm not sure why we have the word pastor, because there's a perfectly good English word means shepherd. The word pastor has been taken over by non-Christians, as well as Christians using it, but it's being used to mean personal counsellor or something like that. That pastoral ministry is kind of a counselling ministry. And so you hear people say, well, he's a great preacher, but he's not much of a pastor, or he's a great pastor, but he's not much of a preacher. And the word pastor actually is a word that refers, it, it's the word of what a shepherd does. Well, a shepherd who has one sheep is not a very good shepherd and he hasn't got a very long kind of uh, lifespan as a shepherd because when the sheep dies then and one sheep doesn't reproduce um, so snails reproduce by themselves but sheep don't and so there's not much you can do with one sheep other than have an early roast lamb dinner uh, shepherds look after flocks not after sheep individual sheep and flocks need, as you'll see in Ezekiel 34, there's a great chapter there about shepherding, flocks do need to be moved on uh, because sometimes the, they've got a death wish about them. They're comfortable where they are even though there's no grass to eat here anymore. And you've got to move them to high ground or to low ground and the rest. What I'm wanting to do with the, the flock for which I'm responsible is to move people to move them away from the patterns of church going that we've had for many years into healthier spiritual climbs. And it's the men that must do it. And the men must take leadership of the flock in this regard. And it's the spiritual work that is important. I'll move furniture. I spent an hour, two hours yesterday, uh, James and I, uh, and a couple of caretakers, literally, physically, moving furniture. Uh, my back's all right today, James, because I did the light work. Uh, his back's all right because he did it the right way. But we physically, literally moved furniture for two hours. That's really unimportant because you can be spiritual in furniture in the wrong place and you can be unspiritual in furniture in the right place, can't you? I mean, furniture moving is pretty unimportant. Well, prayer is what matters. And so we really need to have our men leading in prayer. But while I can say that over and over and over again, and everybody can say yes and amen to that, we actually need to program it a bit better. Because we men are not always very good at working out how just to do the right thing. And as a cathedral, we have particular problems. One of our problems is home groups don't really work. Home groups don't work because people live so far away from each other. If the cathedral had 10,000 members, five, 10,000 members, home groups would work because there'd be enough people in every suburb to meet. But, you know, Paul lives in Wallara and Dennis lives in uh, a suburb that none of us even know where it is. Uh, the Lindley whatever and, and 
you see how it goes on. I mean, just as a group of people, we're living all over the place. And that means home groups, as the place for praying, doesn't matter. It means when we come to the cathedral building, we've got to maximise our time at the building. Because that's the place at which we, we actually can meet and have access to each other. But I don't think we're always maximising that time at the building in spiritual work. In my From the Dean that I've written this week, I recount um, a story, a very sad story of a, a friend of mine from many years ago. Uh, it's a great story, he was converted, but it's a very sad story because he came to our youth group for four years. He was a champion high school athlete. Um, uh, he, he was a phenomenally great athlete and people had great hopes for his athletic prowess and, the, and what he would do in the years ahead. Um, what we didn't understand was, one, that athleticism didn't matter to him. In fact, he gave it all away and became uh, an agriculturalist. He never was really interested in the fact that he could run faster than everybody else and play football better than anybody else. He, he thought it was a complete non-entity. Non but also what we didn't understand, even sadder was, he was desperate to know God, but he didn't. And week by week he came to youth fellowship and we would say, how's the football, what's happening in this such a... And no one ever said to him, where do you stand with God? And after a few years he left. And several years later was converted. And he came back and, uh, you know, we welcomed him back with open arms and asked him how his football was. <laughs> and uh, I remember saying to him, why did you ever leave? And he said, because every week I came here wanting somebody to talk to me about God and nobody ever would. Uh, I've never forgotten, I mean, that was a long time ago, that conversation, but I tell you, it's, it's, it's deep in my soul and memory, that one, because I was one of those people who would ask him about his football all the time and about his athletics and about running. And, you know, I used to go and watch him because he was so good at those kinds of things. And, that's not what he wanted. He, never, he didn't even want it as a man. He was more interested in his agriculture than he was interested in the sport. But God was really what he wanted to know about. And we never talked about it. And you think, it's so often like that in church, isn't it? We don't know what to talk about over tea and coffee afterwards. The wives are organising where who's going to, whose child's going to go with who's elsewhere. Or we, we, we're being polite to newcomers. The tourists come and talk to me about the other cathedrals they've visited around the world, as if I'm interested in cathedrals. Uh, I must be, I'm a dean of one, therefore by definition I'm interested in what's happening in Salisbury. Um, I'm not, but you know, I, I've got to be polite and diplomatic with it. And We've got to pray with each other, brothers, and we've got to talk about the real things in our lives. Now how do we do it? I want to give you a program by which you can do it, but it's an expansive program by which I want you to take leadership in doing it with all the other men in the congregation. I'm not really good at thinking up names, but I think it's one, two, three. Um, I don't like triplets because it sounds feminine. I don't like troika because it reminds me of Joseph Stalin. I don't like triumvirate because it reminds me of Caesar. I, I can't think of any other kind of name that's going to work that doesn't somehow offend me. One, two, three, simple enough. And the essence of it is simplicity. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. 
is not the verse that by which I can tell you you must do this. I haven't got a verse. I'm just pushing you around or trying to. But it's a verse that gives background to the importance of what we do. Matthew 18 and verse 19 and 20. So it's Matthew 18, 19, 20, by which I talk about 1, 2, 3. 18, 19. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on anything about earth and they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among you. That is, prayer meetings don't have to be big. God is no more amongst 3,000 people than he's amongst two. And organising city church into big prayer groups is, I find, impossible. I've failed. Uh, it doesn't work. So let's try and do it at the level we can. One, two, three. Let's do it at the level of meeting in ones. In, in, you can't meet in ones unless you've got a very strange psychiatry. In meeting in twos and threes uh, to pray. How do we uh, go about it? Well, it's agreeing about what we pray. It's making our requests. But it's knowing that Christ is with us. The fact that there's only two of us, so what? That's an irrelevance. The fact that there's three of us. God hears because we come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God hears because he's our loving Father. So it's not a length of prayer. It's not the complexities of prayer. Nor is it the size of the prayer meeting that matters. That we pray is what matters. So... After church, because we were already there. Also because many men don't know what to do after church. And many men don't know what to talk about after church. You may, and that's terrific, and I'm glad for you. But I can assure you, brothers, that many men do not. They actually hate it. It's the time in surveys about what, people hate, what men hate about most about church. It's the coffee time after church is one of the things they hate the most. Another thing they hate the most is singing. Um, which I think is very sad because singing is terrific and actually this is a good room to sing in isn't it and it's good to have a bunch of men singing with you uh, it's just lovely the noise it's had but our singing in the cathedral will improve greatly as we come and sit closer to each other than spread out like we are and uh, just um, put another little add in to the importance of what we're doing um, but uh, men don't like the coffee time uh, in general because they don't know what to do and they've got nothing to do and they've got to stand around waiting uh, until the wives have dealt with the business they need to deal with. If they get in a good conversation, they're enjoying it and they're happy. If they don't, it's miserable. And if we've always got to be visiting, new, uh, talking to newcomers, that's difficult in terms of our spiritual life uh, in fellowship with each other. Uh, it's an important thing that we do. But when we do talk, so often, it's about totally unimportant things like Mrs. Gillard, Mrs. Gillard about Mr. Abbott, about, the, about gold medals at the Olympics. You know, I mean, it really is... Nothing wrong with talking about the Olympics, but, gee, if we come to church in order to talk about the Olympics, how miserable is church life? Um, uh, now... Don't overhear, don't, don't mishear me. I, you know, I'm very happy to talk to people about the Olympics and sometimes I get tired of only being asked to talk about deep and meaningful things. And a little chat about Olympics kind of relieves my, my soul from the, the angst of always having to talk about deep and meaningfuls. But if that's, all if that's what we come to church to do, well, frankly, church is not all that important. <coughs> so how? 
Well, I want us to get into these small groups. That we do it by arrangement, we do it by organisation. So this weekend is what creates the organisation for you. <coughs> that we pray in a very simple and straightforward fashion and a fairly time quickie fashion, efficient fashion. Over time, I know that if you start praying with a bloke or a couple of blokes regularly, you'll find your conversations will go on for longer. But that's not what I'm not saying. Let's have a long meeting every Sunday morning. I'm saying one, two, three. Very quick, very much to the point. If there's reasons to keep talking, you keep talking. But if there are not reasons to keep talking, you leave because you're not obliged to. All right. So it's not we're having a half-hour Bible study or prayer time after church. That's not what it is. It might take three minutes. That's all it might be, and that's might be every Sunday, just three minutes. Although, my feeling is, over time, as you pray regularly with a couple of blokes, it'll be very hard to stop it at three minutes. But let that be a natural outcome, not a structure purpose. That's not what you meant. It's very simple, straightforward stuff that I'm talking about. Three things, all ones. You share, each of you, one Bible verse that you've learnt this week, that you've noticed this week. Something from the Bible that has, has drawn your attention. Won't do us any harm to do that, brothers, because it'll keep our Bible reading going, won't it? And sometimes that falls off the... Off the if you're not a bunch of a Bible reader, can I encourage you to start with Proverbs? You'll always find something in a chapter of Proverbs that you can share with the others, right? I'm not asking you to give Bible studies on that verse. I'm not asking you to uh, explain the verse or to give a mini sermon to the others. Just say, look, I was reading this week and I came across the fact that, uh, that uh, Nehemiah, I'm just trying to work out, did Nehemiah come before Ezra or after Ezra? That's what I'm working on. Okay? That's what I'm working on. All right, I saw this verse about how a, a son brings honour to his father and he brings, or he brings disgrace to his mother. And uh, it just struck me, you know, how true that is of life. I don't care what it is you say, but we share the verse of the Bible that has struck us during this last week. Secondly, and, and if that leads to discussion, well, okay. If it doesn't, okay, it doesn't matter. We're just saying, I'm reading this in the Bible. This is where I'm up to in the Bible. Second is that we share one point from the sermon we've just heard. Active listeners get more than twice as much out of church than passive listeners. If you get there, sit down, we've arrived, now what's going to happen? You may or may not hear what happens, depending on how tired you are. I know with myself, if I do not take notes when I'm listening to a sermon, I rarely get more than five minutes of the sermon before I'm asleep. Mind you, that's better than television. It only gives take last two or three minutes. So, but it has to be an extraordinary sermon to keep me awake now in my particular age and phase and stage of tiredness, life and the rest. I just can't. But if I take notes, I listen to the lot. That's me. That's not you. Every person's different. Every person has a different way of actively listening. 
But if you've read the passage beforehand, thought out your questions beforehand, come already prepared, you get twice as much out of the sermon. Or if you know after the sermon, I'm going to chat with the other blokes and say, that was an interesting thing he said about verse 7, I never thought of that before. It actually gets you not only listening better, but remembering better afterwards as well. Because, you know, discussion groups, have you ever noticed? When you ask people afterwards, how did the discussion group, what happened? They always tell you what they said. They hardly ever can remember what the other people have said, but they remember their own contribution. It's the same principle. If you say to the blokes, the thing that struck me about today's sermon was X, you will remember X. Whereas if no one talks about the sermon, you won't remember it. And you certainly won't remember what the other two blokes are saying about the sermon as much as you'll remember what you said about it. So one point, three, three things you're going to do in this one, 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 you see. One point is, this is the Bible verse I read this week. Two, this is what I was interested in the sermon this morning. Three, and eight, honesty, sincerity. Yeah? I didn't take that sermon in at all. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. Or, I'm so tired I just fell asleep again. Okay, that's what happened. That's what happened. That's what happened. So we, we, we tell each other where we're on. Third thing. One prayer point. Only one, not allowed two, only one prayer point. Next week you're allowed another one, so that's okay. You'll get your second one in then. But only one prayer point. That, that's, and, and whatever it is, just whatever, whatever matter is a matter for you at the moment that we should be praying about, we should pray about. And then what we do, we pray for each other. Quickly, shortly, to the point, and get out of there. Three minutes. It's, it's a three-minute meeting. Uh, don't sit down. Stand up and do it at standing up. You, you don't, no, sit down if you like by all means. But you know, it, you don't have to sit. It's only going to be three minutes. It will take me less than three minutes to tell you my sermon point, my Bible verse, my prayer point. Take me less than a minute. Take you less than a minute. Take each of us less than a minute. Then we pray. We're out of there. That's what you... That is... You need to do it and be able to do it in three minutes. If after a week of few weeks of doing it, you're spending ten minutes, well, that's, that's your choice to be spending ten minutes. But you'll be spending ten minutes more profitably, won't you, than if you've been discussing the Olympics. Do you want, before I go on to how we then influence and give leadership to the rest of the congregation doing this, do you want to ask questions about the framework of what I'm saying, how to do it? Uh, that's part of the expansion program. I'll come to that then. Yep, thank you. Sorry, I think I drifted off on your third. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> um, was it pray one, uh, share one Bible verse, share one point, share a prayer point? Yep. Okay. And then pray it. After 5, after Wednesday night healing service, after 8.30. Now I've got a whole range of things like who are we doing it with, what are we going to do about our visitors, what happens to them, I'll come to those things in a moment too, but yeah, after each of our congregations. But 
if we put this plan into effect properly, over time, St Andrew's Cathedral will be a place where men pray. And as we leave this, we will leave, we will leave the cathedral in due time with a skill that is totally transferable. Because I can do this with any man, anytime, anywhere. It's something I can do at work. It's something I can do in the next church I go to. It's something I can do wherever. Alright, you're all on board? One Bible verse, one point from the sermon, one prayer point, around the group, we pray. You can do it any way you like. You can each give your Bible verse first, then each of the sermon point first, then each of the prayer point, then pray, or you can give all three and then the other person does three or the other person does three. But it's, we're not meeting for deep and meaningful conversations. We're not meeting for uh, counselling sessions. We're not meeting to sort out each other's problems. We're not meeting as an accountability system to make sure that each reads the Bible. It will have those effects. But that's not the purpose of the meeting. Uh, the purpose of the meeting is that we pray for each other. That's, that's the purpose of where we're going to. Okay, how do we expand it and with whom do we do it? Well, immediately we're going to do it with each other. In fact, we're going to uh, spread, Chris will explain where we're going to go, but different congregations will go to different parts of the buildings because there's all kinds of meeting rooms here. And uh, I want you to pick up with uh, uh, two other blokes in the room here uh, and pray with them. So we actually have our first one, two, three meeting right here this morning. In some ways, you could almost do it, do it twice with two different fellows, but I, we'll do it once and that'll do it. That gives us the idea. Then tomorrow, or Wednesday, the healing people always have to translate when I say Sunday because they meet Wednesday, but tomorrow you meet with the same people and do it again tomorrow. Um, uh, no point changing the, uh, the, the, the membership, do it again tomorrow. We will try in the next week to give you a backdrop within the congregational life about what it is. So I might write a From the Dean on what we did on our men's overnighter so that people will know what's happening and our plans as to how this happens so that when it is happening people won't think what's strange happening over there and also they will be informed that they are welcome to come and share in it as well so that it's not an exclusivist club. That would be the worst things. From next week onwards, we start to invite others, especially regular congregation members, to share with us in this. Now, part of the reason I'm recording these talks is so as to be able to uh, share with them and download these talks and say, look, listen to the talks that happen uh, Friday night, Saturday, and you'll understand what the process is that we're involved in, but also so that we'll be able to tell people about it now, but we need you to take the leadership, not me. I'll give you the background congregational life so that when you say it to people, they'll know that it's not some revolutionary plot devised by you or that you've become weird and eccentric or excessive or something or other. It's part of what the congregational life is happening. But you need to take the initiative of inviting others by saying, well, I I'm doing this with a couple of blokes 
at that point be honest and say, bit strange at the moment, but we're beginning to enjoy it, or it's fantastic, or at last I've met somebody at the congregation that I can pray with, or whatever it is, but you share the vision that we've got to turn this cathedral into a place of prayer. We've got to turn our congregational life into a prayerfulness. And we've got to stop being served by others all the time and take the initiative to serve. And so we share the vision by inviting other people to share with us in the experience of it. Now, the aim then is to take the initiative to turn the two into three and the three into four. And when you get four, to turn it back into two groups of two so that you will invite others in to make three. Three is the ideal number. Once you get to four, you're starting to run a meeting. You'll spend more time trying to chase each other up to make sure that you're all able to be at the meeting at the same time at the same place. And by the time you've gone around with uh, one sermon point, one Bible verse, one prayer point, uh, you're, taking, you're taking too long. We're talking of two or three in your prayer group. Two or three. Matthew 18, wherever two or three are gathered in your name, there am I in the midst. Two or three. So... But the three invites in a fourth so that you can become two, so that you can then grow to three again and then four again and break off to two so that you can come three and four again so that you break off to two so that you, you just keep breaking up into cells. That means, especially initially over the next 12 months, you won't have a, a, a deep and meaningful prayer partner that you're always meeting with because you'll keep on expanding the group and then breaking up with that person and moving to others. That's all right. That would drive the women mad. Right? But men can cope with that. Right? that that's, we're dealing with the reality of prayer rather than trying to find life's partner. Uh, that's, that's, you know, that's not what we're about. We want to actually encourage every other man in the congregation into prayer. That's what we're trying to do rather than you know, finding my buddy who will help me throughout the rest of my life. And so it's also not exclusive relationship friendship. It's got to always be open to others. Initially, open to other members. Because there's lots of fellows who are not here this week. So one of the things we need to do in the next little while is work out who's not here that we can start asking. Who are the people that, you know, one of the things to talk about amongst the twos and threes, well, why don't we get name and name, John, Fred, Bill, to join us in a couple of weeks because I know he's the kind of person who'd like to be on this. So we start with the easy fruit to pick and then you slowly move outwards. But in due time, we'll be welcoming in newcomers and visitors. So that when we're in the cathedral and there's a visitor from America, etc., we say, oh, look, a couple of us pray after church. Why don't you come and join us? The fact he won't be there next week is an irrelevance. We're welcoming people into relationship with God. That's what we're doing. And so rather than talking about Salisbury Cathedral with him, we talk about the fact that we read the Bible and pray, and we hope he reads the Bible. And that means our capacity for having a genuine evangelistic conversation with him will considerably rise up. And so we can engage people in, that's a cathedral, that's a church where men pray. Now, that would be a good reputation. You know, if St Andrew's Cathedral was known worldwide as the place where men pray, oh, I think I could retire as a happy dean. I, you know, I, I think that's, that's a great reputation to have, isn't it? There's something fundamentally right about it, isn't it? And so 
we'll be able to invite visitors and newcomers in, but it also means we get newcomers. So we've got, one of our big problems is triaging regulars, visitors, newcomers. The visitors, we want to share the gospel with them. We want them to have an experience of the Lord Jesus Christ in our gathering with us that they will take with them through the rest of their lives. We want them to spread the news to other people that St Andrew's Cathedral is a good place to come to. But generally, they're a pain in the neck because they come, they go. We, we can't build a church out of the visitors. And they confuse us about the newcomers because there's all kinds of people that will come back next week, only we didn't talk to them because we spent all our time with the visitors. So finding the newcomers is really a critically difficult problem for us, week by week. And so some people have come for six months and still not felt that they've ever been welcomed into the congregation because every week they meet somebody different who goes through the same conversation with them that they went through the last week after week. Some of you have come join. The, the, the nods, the positive nods at this point reminds me that some of you have just been through this experience. So this is the process by which the men will be looking for men. As every week the two of us or the three of us meet and we look around and see any bleak who not normally in prayer, come over and pray with us. We just meet here and pray. It only takes three minutes. And we pray. So it's one, two, three. Because when you reach four, you've got to go back to two. Uh, I don't know a better name than one, two, three. I don't think it's going to work, but never mind. We'll try it with a name. I'm very happy for people to come up with a better name than one, two, three. But it, it's, a, it's a name that is descriptive of the functionality of what we're doing. One, two, three. Then in October, we're going to meet for our prayer breakfast, our morning breakfast. We have breakfast four times a year and the numbers go up and down etc but this is actually going to give rise now. So our next Saturday morning breakfast is October the 20th. Put it in your diaries, those of you who got your phones you're, you're already there with your diaries aren't you? Saturday the 20th of October 7 to 9 um, at, the, uh, at the chapter house. We've got leaflets, Chris is going to give out a little flyer here but for those of us who are old fashioned and need it in our Bibles as our Reminder, those who have got their phones, it's already in there, 20th, in which we're going to talk about how we're going with our prayer life, how we're going with our, our 1, 2, 3 program, where we're up to. We're going to say, well, it doesn't work, Philip, because there's too much to say, or it doesn't work. Can we change the pattern so that we don't have to talk about the sermons because your sermons are such that we'd rather not talk about them? or whatever it is that we need to change, right? Until we've done it as a group of men, we won't know how it works for us or against us. And we'll spend some more time praying and we will be encouraging other men to come to this prayer time, this prayer breakfast. But that's what we need to be doing. We need to be turning our quarterly men's breakfasts into prayer breakfasts and make prayer as our priority and give leadership. 